Hello, and welcome back to Security Slopes. We are excited to bring you another podcast here from uh, uh, the Utah area. Super excited today to introduce you to Aaron Willis. Aaron, thank you for being here. Do you want to give people a little bit of background on on who you are and and, and where you what what your background is kind of in in the the security field? Oh, sure. Thanks, Jan. It's good to be here with you. Uh, I started in. in in a data analytics career, uh, seems like forever ago, um, but I've, I've owned my own uh, company. Uh, I've done all kinds of programming, web design, uh, web programming. And then I started doing digital forensics about 10 years ago. Wow, so that's, uh, a, lot of, that's a lot of time in that career. Yeah, I actually got my master's degree in digital forensics as well. Oh, awesome. And I, I teach digital forensics over at the local university here. Very, very cool. I, so you are the perfect guy to talk about this topic with. Um, it's uh, e-commerce skimming. You know, this thing has so many names, and it's hard to, to kind of settle on a specific name. I know that we're calling it e-commerce skimming because of the impact it, that it's having on the credit card um, industry and our, our ties with PCI compliance here at Security Metrics. But, um, it, I mean, it has a lot of, of other names as well. I, I kind of wanted to go over some of them in case people know about e-commerce skimming from a different name. So we've got, um, I wrote them down because there's a lot. Form jacking, <laughs> redirects, uh, key logging, uh, mage cart attacks is is a common one, um, so, but it it well, and we'll get into more about kind of what it does. But maybe give me an overview of, of what this e-commerce skimming is. Well, e-commerce skimming, we, we kind of need to, to back up a little bit in the in the forensics world, uh, especially in in the credit card fraud area where. We're, we're trying to prevent attackers from going in and stealing consumers' credit card data. We, we really have to look at the point of sale environment first. That's where a lot of this uh, started, was, was in point of sale where attackers would go in and place a little device, a little card reader uh, next to a card swipe machine so that when you swipe your, your card, it would take that magnetic data and capture it either to a file or send it off to a server somewhere. Uh, and that was called card skimming. And, and it still happens, but it's not, oh, yeah. we're not seeing that, the impact for the physical, you know, the point of sale skimming. We're not seeing the impact for that that we're seeing in the online sales now. So we're calling the online yeah. scale skimming because it's kind of the same type of thing. They're stealing your cr credit card information at the point of sale, but it's online now. Yeah, the attackers took that idea of, of stealing the card swipe uh, using a skimmer, and and they they went online with it. They they, they digitized it. You know, when you when you're at a card not present uh, transaction, you know, you're not swiping your credit card anymore. You're typing that number in. Right. And so there are numerous ways that attackers are are going about skimming that data now. And, and it's it's very similar to them sticking a card reader uh, somewhere to, to capture that data. But instead of a physical device, they've got to basically inject some code somewhere. And, and we'll talk more about that. But 
they're going to inject some code somewhere, either on a server or on a client, that's going to to harvest that card data, either as it's typed in uh, right on the client's computer or back on the server or in any one of the third parties along the way. Right. And I'm just going to clarify for a second. For We have a lot of listeners who don't take credit card payments. And so they might be wondering, like, why is this apply to them? And, and here's why it's important. Anytime you're typing something into a, a field on a website, like with these credit cards, you could also have other critical sensitive information, like healthcare data, like... Um, your name and your uh, phone number and your address, like your social security number. Anytime you have sensitive information that needs to be protected and it's being typed into a website, the same things we're going to talk about today with Aaron in relation to the credit card industry can also be used to take your sensitive information that is not credit card related. So I, I hope that helps clarify why this is actually important across the board and not just to people taking credit cards. So, all right. Well, yeah, I mean, who doesn't do online banking these days? Right. Uh, we we see we see uh, malware scripts being put uh, anywhere where they can grab credentials to log into any sensitive website, uh, whether that be online banking or your medical records, uh, or even just basic business sites where they can go in and, and and compromise things and inject any type of malware. You know, ransomware is a big thing right now. Oh, for sure. If they they can if they can put a skimmer anywhere and grab any kind of data that allows them to profit from it, they're going to do it. Right. And I, I don't want people to freak out this early because it sounds pretty dire, but there's things that we can do about it. That's one of the things we're going to talk about today with Aaron is um, how to recognize it, what it is, and then also what you can do about it. So uh, one of the big reasons that this is on the rise for um, retail sites, websites, is that's where people increasingly are going to purchase, especially now. Um online purchases are just uh, going to be going through the roof even more than they already were. Yeah, when, yeah we really saw a, an increase in e-commerce skimming uh, about the time we started implementing the EMV chips in the point of sale environment. Uh, that, that really uh, was effective in the point of sale. We saw a decline in the amount of card skimming going on in, in retail environments. And the new low-hanging fruit was e-commerce environments. Sure. sure. And and the attackers are always going to go after the low-hanging fruit. So a combination of more purchases online, plus it's easier for them to get the, the information on, online rather than point of sale, is really why we're seeing an increase in these attacks, I think. Absolutely. So if, if we look at um, um, why, it's, why it's such a problem, I think part of it is it's hard to detect. So as a as a security analyst, one of the things I'm supposed to do, and it's super hard, is, is look at the code on a page. And it's hard because there's so much freaking code on every single page, right? So as a, as a security analyst, I'm supposed to go in and take a look at that and say, hey, does anything look malicious? It doesn't usually look malicious, it, and it's hard to find. So maybe you could talk about why, why it's hard to find. Well, if you think about it, you know, in, in the point of sale environment, you're locked down to a specific terminal, and we've had you know decades of of experience in locking down those point of sale terminals. I mean, and in the PCI world, you know, there's a whole bunch of regulations that protect that point of sale terminal. Uh, things that have to be you know in place, um, 
layers of security wrapped around that. Um, in the e-commerce world, it's a lot more sophisticated on that back-end piece. Um, there's all kinds of, of uh, third-party scripts that are doing things like business analytics, um, advertising networks, and, and these, these third-party scripts or uh, in that environment, they have a great ROI for the, the merchant that's using them. However, it increases the surface area that attackers are have available to them to attack. I mean, if you think about it, you know, a shopping cart, especially if it's an open source cart uh, like Magento or any of the other big carts out there, you know, the attackers have all the code for that shopping cart. And so if, if you shut down one attack, there's going to be five more behind it. Oh, because so, they can kind of automate it and commodify the attack because of the, the open source things that everybody's well, using? Just, you know, they're, they're always looking for those, uh, you know, any exploits that they can find. Uh, they're always running reconnaissance scripts. You know, if you put a computer out on the Internet and just watch what hits it, you're going to start seeing bot traffic hitting it over and over again. And they're just looking for any, uh, you know, opportunistic uh, things they can take advantage of. And if it's a shopping cart, they're really excited because they know there's a good chance that credit card data might be going through that shopping cart. Right. So if they can find an open port or a, a, a field that, that is not being sanitized properly, um, even getting into some really sophisticated type of cross-site scripting attacks, uh, they can find and detect those often very, very quickly. Sometimes uh, sites can be uh, exploited within minutes of a breach being announced. Mm. And we're seeing uh, in the news, there's some pretty um, highly visible companies that have had this these types of attacks that have really, really kind of impacted them. We, we see them almost every day. Uh, I think... Uh, one of the one of the security companies said four thousand websites a day were getting hit. Wow, that, that's uh, that's pretty that's pretty massive amount. So we have thinking about some of the tools that we have already in place that that prevent um, a lot of malicious activity. Um, you'd think, do we not already have the tools to be able to combat this? Um, so so maybe. Um, I'll tell you a tool, <laughs> pop quiz, <laughs> I'll tell you a tool and you tell me why it's either unsuccessful or only partly successful in, in, um, finding these, these uh, types of attacks. Start with, uh, FIM, which is file integrity monitoring. So, um, FIM is that thing that, that tells you if a file has changed and, and the FIM tool is tell, you know, we'll send you an alert when that happens. So why is that not telling us um, a, about JavaScript skimming or e-commerce skimming? Well, I, FIM is a vital tool, um, but it's not the only tool. It's just one layer of security. And, and FIM, if it's properly installed and running correctly, it is absolutely wonderful at telling you if, if a page in your shopping cart or in your card data environment has changed. Um, but you also have to have people watching those alerts. Right. Um, too, too many times with FIM, we see that it's working and it's alerting, 
but it's, it's going to an email address that's not being checked. There's 5,000 alerts in there that nobody's paid attention to. Yeah, nobody's, um, so, nobody's watching. You know, it, it's not completely passive. You know, it has to have somebody monitoring it. Right. And, you know, it, it is great when it's being used correctly. Um, however, the attackers know that. And it, it, it's, uh, it's moved them away from areas that are being protected by FIM. You know, when you when you configure file integrity monitoring, uh, you have to tell FIM to look at certain pages, not look at other pages, um, and it, it can't protect what it can't see. Right. And so the attackers have moved their attacks into areas that FIM just has no ability to protect, something like a database that is always changing. Right. You know, it's very difficult to run, you know, something like file integrity monitoring on a database that's changing every single second. Or third-party scripts. Or third-party scripts. Can't even, can't tell you if those have changed because it's not even in, under the control of your of your FIM tool. So, okay, great. How about vulnerability scanning? Well, vulnerability scanning, uh, again, it's another essential tool. Uh, merchants need to be running vulnerability scans, um, but that's, uh, again, that's just one aspect of security, one, one additional layer. Um, a vulnerability scan has no ability, though, to actually drill down into a shopping cart and, you know, click on a product and put that product in the, in the cart and, and go to the checkout page and click on the CVV field and put those numbers in. The attackers are taking advantage of of those actions that consumers are doing. Uh, for example, when they put in a CVV number, uh, they might have a little script running there that, that hides that where the malware is completely hidden until that action happens where the, where the consumer finishes putting in the CVV number on the checkout process. At that point, the attackers know they've got a full set of card data, including the, the customer's name, address, email, and the, the credit card number, the expiration date, and the CVV. At that point, the malware is triggered. It, it launches, runs, grabs everything, sends the credit card data out to the card site, and then it goes dormant again, waiting for the next customer to come along. Uh, an ASV scan has no ability to get down into those shopping carts and perform those actions that are gonna trigger that malware uh, so that it can be seen and detected. Okay, so a couple of great and really vital tools, but they have blind spots in terms of this type of attack. Exactly. So um, what about antivirus? Is that of any use in, in detecting this? Uh, antivirus is, again, it's another really effective tool for certain type of things. Um, but, uh, again, a lot of these websites are running on Linux systems. There's not a whole lot of options out there for uh, Linux antivirus. There are a few, but we see merchants all the time that just say, oh, I'm running on a Linux system, not really prone to viruses. And so they don't have it installed on the, the web server. Mm. Uh, but again, you know, if it's running in third party or running in a database, uh, the malware that is, if it's running somewhere that the antivirus can't see, it's got the same problem that FIM has, right? Right. If it can't see it, it can't detect it. Can't detect it. Okay. 
And a lot of times these scripts are not operating on the server. They may not even exist on the server. They may exist in some uh, a content delivery network, a CDN that, that's being used. And so, uh, again, antivirus is essential. It should be used, and we want everybody to be using it. But antivirus is probably not going to see a lot of these e-commerce skimming things just because they're not running where the antivirus can detect it. It is effective sometimes if a consumer, if a customer is running it on their personal computer when they're doing their online shopping. A lot of the good ones can detect connections to known bad sites. Okay. So if you're if you're typing uh, in your credit card number and uh, your antivirus is it has an internet protection suite and it sees a connection going out to a known bad site. Uh, it might be able to stop that. You know, we, we have seen antivirus protect an individual customer. But again, the merchant doesn't get an alert that they've got a problem. The customer may or, customer may, or may not know what to do w with that alert. They may say, well, that's nice, but I still want to buy this product. Right. <laughs> and, and so they continue with the transaction. <laughs> you know, cards can still be lost that way. So even as effective as antivirus can be, if it's used properly, it, it's running in another blind spot. Okay. So I'm enjoying this pop quiz so much, I'm going to ask you one more. <laughs> so, okay. and, and that is, what about client-side certificates? Well, client-side certificates, uh, again, they're, you know, they're a very useful tool in protecting uh, the connection between the merchant uh, the servers and the, and the customer's computer, um, you know, making sure that that transaction is operating in a secure tunnel. But it's kind of like locking your your doors, but the attacker's already in your house. Oh, okay. So now, if the attacker's already there, you know, it's not all that great if if you've got you know great encryption in place because they're part of the whole process. Right. So they're. So their malicious activity is also encrypted and <laughs> secure. All right. Yeah. That's probably not They've helpful. They've got a nice security. So, you know, they can be, they can be helpful. And again, we, we love it. We love to see when, when merchants are using uh, client side certificates. It, it's, it's a great uh, additional layer of security to put on there, but it's, it's not directly combating uh, the skimming. Okay. So, um, we kind of know some common tools people are familiar with and why they aren't entirely successful in, in um, taking care of this issue. Maybe this is a good time to talk about how it works. Like how does JavaScript skimming, e-commerce skimming, how does that, how does it happen? What do you, what, when you go and look at it, what do you see? Well, it, it depends on how the attackers are, are, are operating. If they have a connection to the merchant's web server, if, if credentials have been compromised, uh, they can go in and just put some programming code uh, directly on the web page itself, and they can capture that data as it's posted back from the customer to the server and capture that form post, and all that credit card data gets gets captured. Um, and nobody knows about it. The merchant still gets paid. The customer still gets their order. Uh, you know, everybody's happy. The customer's happy. The merchant's happy. The attacker is happy. <laughs> we don't want the attacker to be happy. 
<laughs> no, no, we don't. But, uh, you know, if they've got that kind of access, they can even go in and and whitelist a, a checkout page so that FEM is no longer monitoring it. We've seen that happen. Oh, wow. So if they've got if they've got access to the server, they can put code in uh, anywhere they want. They you know if they've got access, you know maybe not to the web server, maybe they they found an exploit into the database server. They can go and look and say, well, you know, is the shopping cart is it pulling any code from the database anywhere? A lot of these shopping carts have lots of code stored in the database. Um, you know, we've seen. Uh, JavaScript skimmers stuck in places like the drop-down list that, that populate the states or a country drop-down box. Um, the attackers will go in there and say, oh, look, this is getting included on the checkout page. We'll just go ahead and stick our skimming script right in here. Now, when that renders on the, on the browser, you don't see the JavaScript, it's hidden. Um, and so nobody knows that anything is wrong. The page still looks exactly like it's supposed to. It operates just like it's supposed to. It's just got a little something extra on the side. <laughs> An extra, but not good extra. <laughs> not Nothing you want. <laughs> so um, usually by the time something gets to you and, and, and a company knows that they've been losing credit card data, um, what is your process to find it? And and how long has it usually been in place by the time you are able to identify it so that they can correct it? Well, I just got done with one case where the the malware had been operating since February of 2017. Oh, wow. And, and they didn't learn about it till the middle of last year. Um, and so it, it took it, it the, the malware had been operating for a long time. The, the attackers had set up multiple uh, footholds, multiple back doors, and it, it really turned into a game of whack-a-mole. Um, you know, we would, we would find one problem, try to fix it, and then all of a sudden, the mal uh, different type of malware would pop up in another location, stealing credit card data. We'd go shut that one down. And uh, we played... We played with that for quite a few months before we were finally able to to figure out the root cause oh. of how the attacker was getting in. And in that, in that case, it was a server that we uh, didn't know anything about. Uh, it was a development server that everybody thought was offline. Oh, but it was not. Uh, it was still communicating. It was not. <laughs> it was not. So it wasn't in any of our network diagrams that we received. Uh, the merchant hadn't mentioned it. It was kind of uh, oh that old thing. Wow. Uh, but it was it still had its internet plugged in and it was still there. Yeah. And it was it was far behind on all of its patches, all the security updates. Mm. And so we were focused on the web servers. Um, you know, doing our best to try to to figure out how they were getting in and, you know, patching everything, updating everything, making sure the, the exterior perimeter was as hardened as could be, but not realizing that it was coming in from a, an internal source. From a, from a server that wasn't even being considered because you didn't know about it and they thought it didn't matter. And I think um, when, I, when I go in as an assessor, that's one of the, the biggest challenges that I face is making sure that scope is correct and that everything's been included. And I think I might 
annoy some of my customers a little because I always say, are you sure? Can we can we find out for sure? Can you prove it to me when when we're trying to find out what is actually in scope and what is connected to to what? Um, just for that reason, it's really important. And so, you know, you got to keep digging at it, even um, as as organizations look at their own scoping so that they can do their own hardening and and the the security work that they need to do. Really questioning what systems exist and what can communicate with what so that the scope is correct. So thanks for painting yeah, all that. It, it, was, it, it was easier for us in, in a uh, point of cell environment where we could physically go on site and look at the network and, and see what was there. Mm -hmm. But now we're talking about a, 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 you know, often a virtualized environment. Right. Um, where, where, you know, you're not allowed into the data center. Um, nobody's seen these servers anywhere. Mm -hmm. And you might have just a virtual server sitting out in La La Land that's not showing up anywhere. Um, and, and so you have to be extremely careful to make sure if something's been deprecated, that somebody unplugged that internet connection. That they finished the deprecation completely. Yeah. Well, um, thank you for painting all that bad news for us, Aaron. That's uh... a... <laughs> Can we now switch to the part where we can fix some things? Because I know that you were very instrumental in security metrics development of, of some of its tools. They're called the, the WIM solutions. And so maybe you can talk a little bit about how um, we are approaching that for our customers in order to, to help detect and shut down some of these problems. Let me give you some background on it. WIM stands for Web Integrity Monitoring. And... Uh, we started running into these skimmers several years ago when they were getting prominent. Um, and our standard practice when we'd have a, a merchant come to us that, that uh, had an issue, uh, we would go image their web server. That's you know going and grabbing a, an exact copy of the web server. And then we bring it into the lab, we tear it apart. Um, you know, look under every rock, trying to find where the malware was, uh, check through unallocated space, see if any backdoors had been hidden. Um, a couple of years ago, we got a case where they were just bleeding lots and lots of card data. And, and we could not, we looked everywhere. We spent months, I mean, almost line by line going through their code, checking to make sure every input filled with sanitized, that they were using multi-factor authentication, um, running antivirus, just everything. And, and they were doing it all right. You know, they had everything in place. Uh, we could not find any problems in their code. We couldn't find any malware. Um, and then I, I decided I would, I would go out and look at the HTML uh, on the rendered code at the moment of checkout. Oh, okay. And, and so... Yeah, you know, I was acting just like a customer using a test card, going in, typing in a test order, putting products in the shopping cart, getting right to that point of checkout, typing in the credit card data. And then I noticed that something happened in the JavaScripts on that page that I was watching. Oh, something changed that you were not expecting to change based on the activities that you were doing. Yes, and I saw that, and I went back and looked at what was on the web server versus what was delivered in the browser, 
and realized I was looking at two different pieces of code. Oh, interesting. Okay. And, and so we were spinning our wheels looking at the web server because the malicious code wasn't on the web server. Interesting. It wasn't in their database server. <laughs> this was something that was getting included in a compromised third party. Okay. So how does that work? Well, they, they had some analytics uh, scripts running on the back end that were, you know, providing some great data about when customers would abandon their shopping carts. Okay. Seem, that's a pretty common uh, analytics. Oh, sure. And I mean, who wouldn't want to know when your customer abandoned the shopping cart? Sure. You know, uh, that, that's great data for any merchant to know. Um, but that company had that was providing that script had been compromised and the code that they were sending out, not just to this merchant, but to a whole bunch of different merchants uh, had been compromised and attackers were able to just insert one tiny little line of code that would only trigger when the, when the customer would type in their credit card number and, and get to that CVV field. So it wouldn't even show CVV up number. until they had, had clicked into the CVV field. Exactly. Wow. Okay. And so, uh, if that activity didn't happen, the JavaScript would never trigger that would allow that malware code to to show up. Wow. Okay. So and that. So, so once, then what? Once we realized that, we realized that that it was no longer sufficient just to go look at the web server to see if somebody had injected some PHP code onto the checkout page because this was a, a pure JavaScript exploit. Okay. Um, where, where the JavaScript was coming from a third party. It was, not on the, it was not on the merchant server. Their security was actually fine as far as their environment. Um, but, but that third party environment had the breach. And that's how the attackers got in. And then we started, you know, everybody started seeing these roughly around the same time. And, uh, so we realized that we can't just look at the web server anymore. We have to look at the code in the as it's rendered in the browser. Ah, okay. And we have to go through and start doing those actions or simulating those actions, just like a customer was going through and putting in data into that uh, checkout page. Okay. And so uh, we actually got a patent on our process. Oh. Uh, we were able to to go through simulate that checkout process, and in our process, we're watching for those changes that happen to the document object model as you're interacting with the shopping cart. Interesting. And uh, we have a huge success rate at finding that malware as it's operating in real time right on the customer's browser. Okay, and so that's the, the um, solutions that Security Metrics then offers um, for people who are interested in um, uh, detecting, but also, pre I think, preventing, right? Or, or being aware of? Well, uh, not exactly preventing. It's 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 early detection. Early it, detection. If okay. it, if you're running if you're running daily scans instead of you know having something running since 2017, <laughs> um, if it happens and your website gets exploited, right, um, it's going to be found really early. Okay. And and it's going to shut it. You know, it, again, it's going to send off an alert to the merchant, not like antivirus. It just alerts the customer. Uh -huh. It's going to say, hey, merchant, you've got a problem here. Um, 
you need to, to get eyes on this immediately. Okay, so it'll reduce the, the damage because they know yeah, right yeah, away rather it, than, where does it all go? We don't know what the problem is. Yeah, instead of losing 100,000 credit cards, you're, you're only going to lose, uh, you know, a handful maybe. Okay, it's a much more manageable number than 100,000. Hopefully, you know, you might lose one if you got <laughs> if your eyes are on it quick. All right. Well, and that's a whole lot better than losing, you know, thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of cards. Definitely. Definitely. And again, any information that you're putting into the website does not have to be just cards, right? This is this Correct. is it. this is the example that we use because this is what a lot of our customers come to us for for forensics. Um but any to any organization, if you have any type of sensitive information that you're trying to protect, this is the same thing. Entering into a web page, um, this this model will help you protect that information. Yeah, yeah. We we tend to run it uh, monitoring shopping carts, but anytime you have a login uh, that protects a sensitive area of the website, uh, you really ought to consider running a WIMP scan. Right. Uh, that's going to look for any of those changes that only happen okay. uh, as the client is, is operating in the browser and, and doing those things in the browser. Good to know. I did not do my homework on this part, and I apologize. But where can people go to find out more about this particular pro product? Or, or do we have a blog post about this or anything like that out there? Oh, we have several blog posts out there about it security metrics and, and they can give you the details on that. So we'll put some links into the uh, show notes because um, Hunter will do my homework for me and, <laughs> and make sure that that's in there. Make sure you get the information that you need if you're interested in to learn more about the, the WIM product. Hey, Aaron, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate your time. Uh, my pleasure, Jen. All right. And thank you for joining us today on this Security Slopes podcast. And uh, I hope you'll join us again next week. Bye. Thanks for listening. To learn more about all things security and compliance, head to securitymetrics.com. If you prefer to watch the podcast, go to securitymetrics.com slash podcast or search for us on YouTube. See you on the slopes. <laughs>